Hi, and welcome to a new episode of Pasha. My name is Nandobe Gomjali. Thank you for joining us. Today, we'll talk about Tigray, the northernmost region of Ethiopia. It is in the news because it's embroiled in a year-long war with the Ethiopian state forces after a political power struggle. There are calls for Ethiopia to be investigated for genocide after the latest round of attacks by Ethiopia on Tigray. Our guest is Mukesh Kapila, the Professor Emeritus for Global Health and Humanitarian Affairs at the University of Manchester in the UK. He starts by discussing the situation between Ethiopia and Tigray with our colleague Gemma Wey from the UK team, who produces the Conversation Weekly podcast. Well, in my 30 years of experience in uh, complex emergency settings, this is one of the most vicious conflicts that I have come across. And the humanitarian situation as prevailing in Ethiopia, including Tigray and surrounding regions, is uh, a reflection of that. So we have, for example, uh, somewhere in the region of uh, about uh, 7 million people in need, uh, at least 5 million in Tigray, and uh, at least a couple of million in the neighboring regions of Amara and Afar. We have uh, refugees in neighboring Sudan approaching uh, 100,000. And within Tigray, we have uh, virtually uh, every need you can think of. So, for example, malnutrition rates, severe malnutrition rates are extremely high at over 2%. Uh, Only about 1% of uh, 2% of uh, the needs have been met in terms of food aid over recent uh, weeks. Most health centers have been uh, thrashed and uh, the supply of essential medicines has uh, gone down to zero. There are no immunization programs taking place. So never mind COVID-19, even basic conditions like polio and so on, the uh, vaccination rates have really plunged, uh, thereby uh, sowing in the the seeds of a future public health uh, crisis. We uh, also have had a huge amounts of sexual violence committed as part of the war, especially in the first uh, six months or so. And that has meant that tens of thousands uh, of women have been uh, brutally raped and have not received assistance that they should. Uh, and the legacy of that in terms of both physical and mental health impacts, of course, is going to go on for uh, generations. I think in other areas, uh, we have a a degradation of the water and sanitation system. We have, uh, because of the lack of uh, electricity and internet access, uh, uh, the ability to be able to target people accurately uh, by measuring their needs for assistance and then matching the meager supply to those communities that need them most has been severely compromised. And this has not been helped by the fact that every single form of humanitarian obstruction you can think of, and that I have seen in places around the world only in phases, is now prevalent on a systematic basis uh, throughout uh, Tigray for the last several months. Is the main cause of that, you said that there are lots of tactics that you've seen used elsewhere, but is the main underlying cause of that a blockade on humanitarian aid getting into Tigray? What uh, is unique about the Tigray-Ethiopia situation is that all the tactics which underlie violations of international humanitarian 
law are being violated. So, for example, by systematically embargoing the transport of food and essential medical supplies uh, into the territory uh, have meant that there is a sort of blanket punishment of the population. And that is a flagrant violation because whatever the disputes between the Tigray authorities and the Addis authorities, there are wars have their limits. And there are certain rules of war that outlaw deliberate targeting of vulnerable civilians and such like. And that those have been violated. You know, another factor is that in many other situations, you would see a lot of refugees leaving a territory if they are starving or if they if they're desperate and you see this everywhere in the world with record numbers of refugees uh, coming out say from uh, Afghanistan in in the past or even now and elsewhere but it is remarkable that we have less than 100,000 Tigray refugees in Ethiopia so they can't even escape in order to save themselves uh, because uh, of the blockade which really is quite a strong and tough blockade In the last few weeks, the fighting has escalated even further. And actually, just in the past week, the UN actually had to abort a humanitarian aid flight to Tigray because of of airstrikes. So can you tell us how difficult it's been for the the UN, which I guess is the main humanitarian agency um, working in the region, to, to continue its operations? It's a complex situation for the UN, undoubtedly. But several of the problems that the UN is facing, it has brought on, on itself. Its in-country leadership has been extremely poor and it has been accused of taking sides. I'm sure much of those accusations by the uh, uh, government in Addis is uh, politically motivated to undermine undermine the UN. But the fact that the officials of the UN sitting in Addis have got themselves into a position where they're being kicked around like a, like a football and kicked out is a reflection of the poor quality of the leadership, both in Addis of the UN system, as well as of the ultimate UN leadership of Antonio Guterres in New York. Now, we have to distinguish between uh, uh, different aspects of the UN. And the UN is not a humanitarian organization. The UN is a political organization, ultimately. And it has many dimensions to its work, development, humanitarian, technical assistance, and and so on, you see. All these issues have got conflated. So if you were to look at some of the messages coming out of the UN in Addis, you would think it was business as normal, that the development was taking place, that uh, meetings were happening, that uh, uh, training activities were taking on. Uh, They appear to be living in a kind of parallel universe uh, to themselves. So while uh, uh, I'm a great supporter and I'm a former UN uh, uh, resident and humanitarian coordinator in neighboring Sudan, which is going through huge problems uh, at the present time, I have very little sympathy with the situation that UN has got themselves into. What needs to happen, I think, is much stronger leadership from New York, possibly the appointment of a special representative of the Secretary General at a higher level, to try and bring order within the UN UN system. And as far as other humanitarian agencies are concerned, we don't have enough uh, transparency. 
So if you look, for example, at the social media um, media outputs of some uh, humanitarian organizations, they talk about uh, relief to northern uh, Ethiopia. Now, northern Ethiopia, which is uh, a loaded term at the best of circumstances, obscures, therefore, whether or not the assistance is taking place in Tigray or in Afar or in Amhara or in other parts of the country. And I think this is possibly because the humanitarian organizations are on tenterhooks. They don't want to say anything that will displace the Addis government, which will perhaps mean that they might get kicked out, you see. But I think the agencies need to be more honest and open in terms of what they're doing, who they're helping, where they're helping, and how much of their assistance is getting through to those people. And that failure of the humanitarian system in Ethiopia is, uh, of course, uh, manipulated by the authorities in Addis, but I don't think the system is doing itself uh, any great favours. The mediation efforts that there have been are being led by by the African Union with the former Nigerian president, Olusegun Obasanjo. So are you saying that that is just not the way forward, that there needs to be another mediator and mediation effort? Uh, With due respect to Obasanjo, he's hardly a well-qualified mediator, uh, other than the fact that he was once uh, a head of state and uh, he's dealt with complex issues, uh, including military uh, issues. But when the warring parties don't have confidence in the mediator and the mediator is appointed by a partisan appointment, if, you know, Hardly this is going to get confidence. And then the terms and conditions being imposed is are just not compatible with mediation. So if the Addis government will not speak to people they call terrorists, and the, the, the TPLF are not going to actually trust the mediation in relation to uh, the, the government, which has actually is blockading them and is killing their uh, people. Now, in those circumstances, the UN should be stepping on uh, onto the table. But quite honestly, the UN is unable to do that, partly because of paralysis in the Security Council. You need a Security Council resolution to appoint some political process to mandate the Secretary General. And of course, that has been blocked by countries like China, India, Russia, and so on. But meanwhile, uh, Antonio Guterres, as Secretary General, could have used other UN charter powers that are within his mandate to undertake some initiatives. And, uh, but he's, of course, not able to expend his political capital uh, to do that, having, of course, recently been uh, re-elected as Secretary General. Okay, so, I mean, what you're setting out there is a real indictment of the UN's role in trying to bring this conflict to an end. I think uh, the UN role has been extremely disappointing, except for limited areas where good humanitarian people, uh, for example, in the World Food Programme, for example, in OCHA, for example, in uh, UNICEF uh, and uh, other uh, good humanitarian organisations who are just clinging on there, uh, uh, including in the Red Cross movement, who are trying to uh, do the best they can, uh, in a way. The I think the solution to this crisis is not going to come from outside because 
the outside is paralyzed for both regional reasons, position of Ethiopia in East Africa, the position of Ethiopia within regional institutions such as uh, uh, the African Union for regional regions, and it's not going to uh, have any solutions from the international side because of geopolitical factors. I think here where uh, some experience of history comes in, unfortunately, conflicts never end until one side or other has won or they've mutually paralyzed themselves. That's what we learn from uh, African conflicts or any conflicts uh, around the world. From Persia, I'm Nando Begum Jayali. It's bye for now.